that's fun, that's interesting, that's live theater. That 10 to 15 minute scene was unbelievable. Her soprano is so beautiful. It's very good. He's really giving a sensational performance that everybody should witness. I really do believe that. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Off to Broadway, the podcast where we deep dive into anything and everything musical theater from the comfort of my car. I'm Tara. I'm Stefania. And in today's episode, we're talking all about West Side Story. Before we start, we're just going to do a disclaimer right now that we are date stamping this episode. Today is February 9th. The reason that we are date stamping is because there has been some controversy surrounding the production of West Side Story that is currently on Broadway, and we want to give the most accurate information that we know up until this date. West Side Story opens on Broadway in about two weeks on February 20th, and Steph, over to you. So to start, we are not a news source. We are a podcast where we are self-indulgent enough to talk about our own opinions and feelings, Mm -hmm. hoping maybe other people will listen. But we could not talk about this West Side Story revival without addressing the casting of Amar Ramazar, who is a formal principal dancer at New York City Ballet, as Bernardo. So here are the facts. Last fall, Alexandra Waterbury filed a lawsuit against her ex-boyfriend Chase Finley, New York City Ballet, the School of American Ballet, donor Jared Longitano, and dancers Zachary Catazzaro and Amar Ramazar. Chase Finley secretly recorded and shared without her consent intimate photos and videos of them to donors and co-workers, including Amar Ramazar. Amar received photos from Chase and asked him to send more and also shared without his girlfriend's consent intimate photos taken of his girlfriend. Amar at the time was suspended without pay, then fired, then reinstated as per an arbitrator in the spring of 2019. I truly wish we did not have to talk about this, yeah. but it is something that I wrestle with when choosing to support this production by purchasing a ticket. Um, and I'm sure there are other people who want to support the cast mm-hmm. and the creative direction, but who struggle with this decision as well. There have been protests outside the theater against his casting, and I support people's right to peacefully protest. If I was a performer in West Side Story, I would feel very conflicted by this, very grateful to have a creatively fulfilling and interesting job and opportunity, Mm -hmm. but frustrated that this dark shadow is cast over this show that I'm in and that I am working with someone who has been credibly accused of sexual misconduct. We should also mention that there are 32 performers making their Broadway debuts in this production. It is an extremely young cast. So to have this be a dark cloud, so to speak, over their heads when they're trying to be having a super exciting time making their Broadway debut, it's difficult, for sure. They're put in a a position to be working with this man that I don't know if they would choose to work with Mm -hmm. in any other circumstance. But when you don't have that much capital to use and you are looking for opportunities and to grow your career you don't have many choices. Yeah. People have other issues with this production, such as cutting songs and restructuring, but those are honestly nothing compared to the hiring of someone credibly accused of sexual misconduct. Mm -hmm. And the people who are responsible for this, in my opinion, are the production team. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And they're the ones who should be, if you're going to blame someone, blame them, not the other performers or the casts or even the creatives, the production team um, who okayed the casting mm-hmm. of this person. So those are the facts that are out there to the public and that we have now educated ourselves with. There's also a lot that has not been 
exposed to the public. There, we there, are not aware of like the court process no. of what's going on and all of that. For much more details, including the involvement of the other people, yeah. there are great articles. I'll tweet out good articles so you can get yourself informed if mm-hmm. you want to about what's going on. Um, but I just wanted to keep it straight to what's pertains to Amar specifically yeah. because that's what pertains to this production, not what other people said, not including him. Um, and I just... I wish we didn't have to talk about it, but yeah, we do. Yeah, for sure. And it's also, like I said, with us date stamping this episode, just this last week, it seems like all of the major Broadway news outlets have sort of picked up on this story yeah. and are now posting about it and posting about the protests. As of right now, there are protests every Friday night scheduled up until opening night. There is a scheduled protest on opening night, which is the mm-hmm. 20th of this month. And there have been two boards on Broadway World's chat board section of their website. One is the West Side Story Previews 2019 board, and that's where people started talking about all of this controversy. And then there was also a West Side Story Begins Protest Tonight board that has now been deleted. So I don't, we don't know the reason that the board was deleted. I know that the Broadway World's team had some moderators on both boards. There's still currently a moderator on the West Side Story Previews board that is making sure to delete any wrong information. There's a lot of wrong comments that are being put on there and a lot of people's opinions about either Amar or Alexandra and it's not a place to discuss the details because we don't know. And yeah, so just this last week that board has been deleted so there is nowhere to talk about the controversy and I also think it's interesting to delete that because the boards are normally a place where it is a place for discussions yeah not even anything goes but it is a place where I can share my opinion and you can share your different opinion yeah and to not allow it to be a place for that discussion and disagreement seems to be going against the purpose honestly yeah I do respect deleting comments that are disrespectful and disturbing and whatever it was because that seems to be the case of why the board was deleted however it is as we've said a topic of conversation and people want to know what's going on Mm -hmm. as of right now as we said West Side Story is opening on the 20th and there is no casting changes in the near future or in the future at all yeah I feel like let's just jump into the episode we've discussed that kind of cloud hanging over the production and let's go because we got the opportunity to see it yeah and so all controversy aside I think that we should say right off the bat um we really did enjoy this production of West Side Story yeah it was very compelling since we saw it which was December 20th there have been some things changed because we saw it in a preview it was second week of preview so super early yeah I'm so curious to see what's changed staging wise since we saw it and um, Ben Cook who played Riff has since been replaced he injured himself we heard that it was a shoulder injury Um, he's been replaced by Darren E. Jones who was not his understudy no he played action yeah and he has now jumped into the production and has been there for about a month I want to say he's been playing Riff for about a month and also as you've heard us say on other episodes we were at the showing of Isaac Powell's injury (laughs) Of his knee. He is also now back, back in the production. Uh, the last episode that we talked about this, we weren't sure when he was coming back, and it actually turned out that the next day he was back. Yeah, he he recovered from surgery so quickly. Yeah. I hope he's okay. And just to round off everything else that happened since we saw it, 
West History was supposed to open on February 6th. It got pushed because of Isaac's injury. They wanted to give him a full preview period. So it is now in the last two weeks of previews before they open. So before we get super into the production that we saw, I think that we should go way back to the very beginning because I know that you have had a connection with West Side Story for a very long time, and I haven't. Yes. The West Side Story was one of the movies that my mom watched when she was young, movie classic movie musicals, and she showed it to us when I was younger. I remember watching it on TV and just loving the music and being so compelled by it. I have the original Broadway cast from 1957 on my iPod. Um, then when I was in New York with my family for the first time back in 2010, we saw the Broadway revival that was running at the time, which was, at the time, was pretty magical looking back with the theater knowledge that I have now, <laughs> I, I would probably think of it a little bit differently, but still great to see those numbers live on stage. Mm-hmm. I would say that production felt very sanitized. Yeah, It felt very clean cut. And I don't, which is a huge contrast to the current revival currently on Broadway. And I don't know if that cleanliness suits the material and the story well. Mm -hmm. So just to jump into West Side Story as a whole, West Side Story for anybody listening that has not seen it, heard of it, any of that is basically... You mean you two months ago? Me, but I I did know that it was like a Romeo and Juliet spinoff. So it is sort of the story of Romeo and Juliet. Um, There are two gangs, the Jets and the Sharks. The Jets are from... America and the sharks are Puerto Rican. The Jets lived in the neighborhood in the west side and then when the Puerto Ricans started moving from Puerto Rico to New York they were moving into the same neighborhood the west side so it is a turf war between mm-hmm. these Jets and these sharks. These, The Jets and their families feel like they've always been there. They were there first and they deserve to be there and they tell the Puerto Ricans, the sharks, you don't belong here. This is our place this is Mm -hmm. our home go back to where you came from and that is the turf war that is happening so as Steph said the first production of West Side Story hit Broadway in 1957 they won two of six Tony Awards the movie then came out in 1961 and they won 10 Oscars Um, there's a new movie that's coming out at the end of this year I think it's December 2020. I think so. And I want to talk about that later I want to talk about this and I want to talk about later and then yeah the (laughs) most recent revival is last year 2019 or 2020 because it hasn't opened yet yeah that's true (laughs) so i like steph said have never seen west side story i've heard you know like maria everyone's heard maria and i tried to remain extremely unspoiled for this production um which i think i was pretty successful at and i knew sort of about the darker take that they were take uh, that they were doing and that it wasn't just a straight revival that it was a reinvention of a classic which was pretty obvious when we found out that Evo Van Hove was attached yeah. to this I just remember you saying to me because you had been on the Broadway world boards reading about the previews and you saying that you didn't think that I was going to like the production and I was like I can't think of why we go see it. I'm like, oh, there's screens everywhere. <laughs> Tara's a screen hater. I am, except for I really think that it worked in this. And I do think that it's something that will be used more as we continue to go through musical theater in life. And I think that it's interesting to see where the theater world 
can go and is going. So we are speaking from our preview experience. Yeah, who knows what it looks like right now? Yes. <laughs> Before we keep going, I want to say this is going to we're just going to talk very in detail oh, about yes. this production. Spoilers. So if you're planning to see it, I'd recommend, and I know you would, to maybe skip this episode and come back to it later. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, but let's go. Yeah, we, we will repost this episode after the Tony Awards because hopefully that by that point a lot of people have yeah, it's, seen it. There were just interesting staging things that they did that I loved and thought were surprising and cool. Yeah. And if you have a chance to see it, I think it will work better with yeah. that surprise. But that being said, if you love spoilers, then here let's we go. are. Like, I do too. So. <laughs> um, also, what I think is important to say is that if you are a fan of a traditional West Side Story, this is not super traditional. No, I I don't think they change dialogue. The songs are the songs, the words in the songs are the same, mm-hmm. similar to what they did with Oklahoma. Yeah. No dialogue changed. The words in the songs are the same. The, the orchestrations I think are a little bit different, but not as different not, as Oklahoma. No, Oklahoma was crazily different whereas mm-hmm. I didn't feel West Side Story was as different. Yeah. Maybe just a little I don't know, in a minor key. I don't even know if I'm right. <laughs> I think you are right. Um for me the biggest difference we just watched the movie last night. Yeah. And that was the first time that I had seen the movie is the colors. Yes. Um, the movie is very colorful. Lots of reds, yellows, purples, just like your bright colors. Whereas this revival is very gray. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of black and white. And it's just dark. It's very it's dark. It's very dark. It's dingy. Yeah. It, it feels dirty. Yeah. In the movie... I love the way they use color. The sharks are red and purple, and the jets are this mustard yellow and blue. And then Tony and Maria are often in white. Yeah. Um, so they stand out from everyone else. And it's so literal, but it serves a purpose well when everyone's dancing around each other, the dance at the gym. You know exactly who everyone is. Mm-hmm. And you're not having to be like, is that person in this gang? Is that person in this gang? It works. And I felt that the costumes in this one were a little more similar but I still don't think I had an issue telling apart which gang from which gang especially they kept them pretty separated yeah they did keep them pretty separated there were times when they used the lights to their advantage Mm -hmm. especially in the dance at the gym there were red lights and blue lights um there was a funny comment on the board saying that this production was sponsored by Zara because the clothes are very straight. <laughs> this is 100% true. Anita's wearing this like sequin dress with knee socks. Yeah. And I loved it. And the boys are just wearing, you know, like black skinny jeans with like ratty t-shirts. They all had some a different beanies. Look. Yeah. Some of them had the those beanies that don't cover your ears. Love that. Someone was in the like sharks a trench wearing, coat. Yes. The sharks were wearing some great like silky button up shirts. Yes. Very like latin yeah uh, i love the costumes the costumes are great that hot pink chiffon yeah. jean jacket thing we've also read that since we saw it some of maria's costumes have changed yeah. she was when we saw it she wore a dress for the second half of the show whereas i think now she's in jeans and a t-shirt yeah i don't know i feel like i like the dress i like the dress too it's just super feminine right yeah and that's Speaking of that... But, you know, she's running through the streets. That's true. Maybe jeans are more practical. She's yeah. still in running shoes. But just to speak off of the women in this production, this revival feels like a very boys-heavy West Side Story. It's very masculine. What, we, what I saw last night, at least. So let's get into the parts of the women that they did cut, which is the big one is I Feel Pretty. Yes. The original production of West Side Story on Broadway has two songs sung solely by women, America and I Feel Pretty. In this version, America is split into a back and forth between the men and the women of the sharks. I think that's correct. They adapted like that. They changed it for the movie and yeah. 
pretty much every production since has done the same thing. It doesn't bother me except when you also cut I Feel Pretty, you have zero moments for the woman to step forward and sing Mm -hmm. at all. I think that the difference between the movie and this version, watching the movie, I said this to you last night, it doesn't Mm -hmm. even feel like the same storyline really production (laughs) it's sort of like you know the Romeo and Juliet storyline exists in so many different aspects of things today so in a way I don't even know that I could call this revival West Side Story except for that it's the same (laughs) text the same same songs and everything but just the look of it is so drastic and so dramatically different that it's it's just interesting to Interpretation is so interesting. The way that a director can change the tone, change how you view something, Mm -hmm. change your perspective on it completely. But I do think that in terms of the women versus the men in both productions, to have your storyline be focused on gangs, I do think that it is appropriate to focus more on the men. It is definitely a very masculine story, but sometimes it does feel like the impact of it on the female characters because they are there is somewhat diminished Mm -hmm. so to talk about those female characters Mm -hmm. um our maria is shireen pimentel her soprano is so beautiful it's very good and she's super young yeah she's very talented i think you said in a previous episode that she's a juilliard student student, and that's crazy (laughs) I think that just based on comparison, if we're going to compare, her Maria is super sassy, sort of Mm -hmm. like very independent, whereas Maria in the movie and maybe in the Mm -hmm. 2009 revival that you saw as well is so sweet and just like doesn't want to betray or hurt anybody. Whereas I could tell that, I don't know, if something happened, this Maria like wouldn't care. (laughs) <laughs> we see that later. She's a fighter, this Maria. Yeah. She not physically, but she she stands up to her brother and to Anita. And she stands up for herself, mm-hmm. which is different. And the other main woman in this show is Anita, who I think is the most different in the musical versus the movie. Why? I feel like in the movie Rita Morano is mm-hmm. Anita, and she has such a huge presence, whereas I feel that Anita, in the musical at least that we saw, was just there. Okay. And she almost felt weak to me. It was definitely not a standout performance to me from Yesenia Alaya. But in comparison, how was that, like, the representation of the 2009, or sorry, 2010 Anita versus the 2019 Anita? Was the one that you saw originally closer to the movie or closer to this? It was definitely closer to the movie interpretation. That last revival felt very much like they were, even with coloring, Mm -hmm. with staging, they were, it felt almost like a carbon copy of the movie, which is, maybe it was more similar to that original Broadway production, but the movie is my reference point for it. It felt like they were following the template of the movie. And so I always feel like Anita is kind of a standout character and should be a standout character. If you're comparing to Romeo and Juliet, she is the nurse character, Mm -hmm. Juliet's confidant, her best friend. And I like it when Anita is that for her. I agree that I didn't feel like this Anita was a big standout or had the big moments that she would typically have. Yeah. I also think it's interesting because, again, watching the movie versus seeing what we saw, 
Maria and Bernardo's relationship in the movie is very different to how it was portrayed on stage. I felt like on stage, her and Bernardo were just siblings but didn't really spend a lot of time together, whereas he seems so protective of her in the movie. In the movie, it does feel like he's very protective of her, and then I was watching on stage, and it felt like he was pimping her out to (laughs) to Chino, Yeah, and it really rubbed me the wrong way. Maybe that's also... 2019 interpretation of yeah. it. Yeah, you know, when you see they brought Maria over from Puerto Rico and then hands her straight off to one of his Guys. gang friends. Yeah. It's like, does she have any choice in this at all? Yeah, so that's why I feel like when she and ends up with Tony... She's running away. She's looking for something. She's trying to escape. It's the exact same as in Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. You know, Maria's just been told she has to marry Paris. And she goes to this dance so frustrated and you know, the first boy she sees that has an interest in her. Romeo. <laughs> she's like a different, she's fighting away from what her family's expectations of her yeah. are. Maybe this is more of like a true adaptation from Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> it's maybe. It, when you think of it in all these different contexts, you see different layers of it. When we were watching the movie last night, it had been a long time since I'd seen it. So looking at it with older, more mature perspective, the way that the gangs were played, it almost felt like they were kids pretending to be adults and I think in a good way like that they were out of their depth with challenging them to a rum challenging each other to a rumble Mm -hmm. and to choosing weapons like they were not prepared for that no and when Bernardo killed Riff they were shocked because both on both sides like neither of them expected it to come to this yeah and then when Tony went and killed Bernardo that wasn't someone who'd murdered someone before that was a true act of emotion and then they're running away and they're scared because they've never been through something like this before these aren't shit disturbers if you Mm -hmm. will in the neighborhood whereas in the evil men hove revival i'm like oh these are gangs who might have killed people before yeah for sure and they're like rough around the edges and you don't know what they've been through in their life Mm -hmm. before what we've seen on stage i mean for me in the movie tony is not the leader of a gang (laughs) this is a huge criticism of West Side Story in general that it feels like a bunch of ballet dancers pretending to be in a gang. Yeah. And (laughs) that last revival felt a bit like that. This doesn't feel anything like that. The movie feels somewhat like that. Especially the fighting right at the beginning where they're leaping over each other. Just like pose. I mean, it's amazing. It's great. (laughs) But it's like... The way I feel Tony's been directed to be played before is as this nice, innocent guy. But then when Riff's talking to him about he's got to come back to the gang, it doesn't make sense that he would have been Riff's right-hand man in the Jets based on who you're looking at now whereas when Riff was going to talk to Tony in this new revival I felt that he was someone who'd been very involved Mm -hmm. in the Jets and then was trying to step away and was maybe being pulled back and pulled back and forth between it there was more of an internal conflict going and you understand why he went back to his friends and went back to fight with them because Riff promised them he'd be there Mm -hmm. whereas I don't know if I fully understand that motivation in the movie I agree with you for sure. And I also think that it seems in the revival, Tony is so respected by everybody. Whereas in the movie, it was like, oh, Tony's Tony's here. here. (laughs) Like at the rumble. Is he going to come? And then when he tries to stop it, they're all like, get out of here. (laughs) Whereas in the revival, when Isaac runs to stop the rumble, it's Mm -hmm. like, no, guys, listen to him. Like, Mm -hmm. why aren't you listening to him? Um, We should mention that there are cameras on stage. Yeah. There's two steady cams. And I think that there's sort of cameras just placed. Yes, there's got to be like Big Brother style cameras oh, yeah. everywhere because yeah. there are there was a, right from the top of the show 
the Jets walk on stage and stand there kind of staring at the audience. Mm -hmm. And on the huge, massive screen behind them, their faces are projected and it's live video. Yeah. And I was thinking, where is that camera? Above or underneath where the conductor camera yeah, exactly. screen is? That, I feel like that would have been a perfect place to grab that mm-hmm. front shot of the actors. And I know that this is his style because I have seen Network and mm-hmm. I know that he he loves cameras and I think that the cameras really do help in certain situations make the audience feel tense. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the steady cam operator, sorry. Yeah, so the steady cam operators which Wearing we no shirt. Yes. We found out afterwards cuz I thought that it would be a different credit, but they're just crediting them as ensemble members basically. Yeah. Um I would like to assume that these guys have worked with Eva Van Hove before or they're camera or they're, operators. Yeah. I don't think they're I don't think they were singing ever. And they definitely Honestly, weren't dancing. I can't tell. But it's interesting because... If you leave the camera backstage, maybe they came on and danced, too. Maybe. Like, we don't know. Yeah. And so let's just squash this right now. I am fully aware that this production is not a show that is based off of TV or news or anything. So the camera critiques are a huge yes. subplot to the other controversy that is surrounding West Side Story. Um, well, it is interesting. The other Eva Van Hove show you saw was Network, which, which is fully is about a, news. It's a news broadcast. So the use of cameras is logical for that world, whereas yes. the use of cameras in West Side Story triggers much more of a debate because it doesn't make sense that cameras would be following them. So it is when you see that cameraman on stage that it is out of character it is out of the world right and I thought that it would be distracting but I wasn't distracted by it at all for me either I'm someone who loves to see the man behind the curtain I love yeah. to see stagecraft I like to sit on the side so I can see in the wings so I like seeing the cameraman and seeing the strings that are making what's happening mm-hmm. happen I love to watch a quick change that's fun that's interesting that's live theater so I like during the rumble when they all walk out with like no shirt on and then the cameraman also has no shirt so he blends in but he's carrying a camera <laughs> yeah yeah i think they had two on both sides i, I like only saw one camera there might have been another camera at a time and then some of them are in tribal masks yes. for like no reason which i loved i thought it was <laughs> it's, like it's like they're savages yeah it, yeah exactly so now that we're talking about the rumble it is super important to mention that this is where the rain begins it pours rain on that stage for half the show yeah half of the show this is where the injuries have come from it seems to be that both this is speculation but it seems to be based on our personal observation the night we saw Isaac get injured and um, other rumors that both major injuries have happened during the rumble rightfully so it's raining it's it's pouring rain and it's a very physical scene as well yeah and we could see I here's the thing we are going back to New York in April. We are hoping to see West Side Story again. We want to sit above. Yeah. Because I'm super interested in the filtration system that is on the <laughs> yes. stage. So the stage deck is high. Yeah. People are saying the Broadway stage is high in general. And people are saying if you sit in the first few rows, it is obstructing. It's, they lie on the ground a lot in this show. Yeah, they do. And the stage deck, there's like a six inch deck on top of the stage. And it seems to be a drainage system. Yeah. Because the water's got to go somewhere. But that being said, they were kicking puddles of water. Yeah. So, But that's what you got to use the water for. If you have the water, use it, make it do something. Yeah. But it was pouring rain for the second half of that show off and on. And as dangerous as it might be... To lose that rain aspect would be awful. It makes it so intense. That is the word of the day for me. Like, 
the the build of that show the pacing of it is so intense and the rain adds to that so yeah. much it's pretty amazing it is really amazing that they're able to do that on such a large scale mm-hmm. and and you know, we were brainstorming of ways to make it less rain. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's always but those still sort not of, lose the impact. I don't even there's like a rain curtain. <laughs> yeah, like a rain curtain that it would only rain at the front of the stage and at the back of the stage they would be fine. Again, this is all rumor and speculation and things that people are posting on the Broadway World boards. But there is someone that said that they had asked the cast about their footwear for the rain and apparently mm-hmm. there's like a sandpaper sort of bottom to their shoes so they so don't get more grip themselves we had said that i think bare feet is probably like an easier way to do it yeah, i don't know but it's very wise. like it's so hard to describe unless you see it but watching the choreographed moves of the rumble it felt dangerous it felt dangerous but i think it's supposed to feel dangerous yes and it's also like people are getting murdered it was so exciting to watch that 10 to 15 minute scene was unbelievable Mm -hmm. and it not just is there rain everywhere but there's also blood flying everywhere and when Riff dies in this revival it's intense and shocking but when Tony comes out and you have the camera on Isaac's face and it's being projected huge on the back and he's just punching Bernardo. Mm-hmm. That's when you're like, oh my God, these kids are in gangs and this is mm-hmm. what gang violence looks like. And we know this just from like today's world in general. And I think it's important to show the evolution of, yes, this did exist in the 50s, but it also still exists now, even more now. And this is what fights are like now. There were so many things when I was watching that I thought, oh, this still happens or, oh, that's super relevant. Or, oh, it's so interesting they had them say that because that's something I saw on the news recently or something that I can see happening in my neighborhood or Mm -hmm. is very, very interesting. And it felt very real. Yes. It felt when we left. It felt current. Yeah, it felt current It's always like West Side Story has always felt current to me, even Mm -hmm. seeing the previous ones, but this one felt particularly current. Yeah. And when we left, like we could not stop talking about it for a long time. There mm-hmm. are certain stage pictures that stay with you and still stay with me. Yeah. Um, there's one in particular <laughs> that, stage that we love so much. And it was actually just recreated for the New York Times, which is super exciting because that picture now lives online and everybody can see it. This happens during tonight. Seth, I feel like you need to talk about it because it's something that I know took your breath away. The choreography in the show is so special. Yeah. Um, Anna Teresa de Kiersmaker is a modern dance choreographer and came in, especially because the original choreography is so iconic and tied to what West Side Story is, the Jerome Robbins choreography. And also a topic of controversy was that they weren't using the original choreography. Some people are sad about losing it. I mean... There are still aspects of the original choreography in this show, so it's not completely gone. Particularly the dance at the gym felt very similar vibes mm-hmm. to it but this is very contemporary it's very contemporary it's modern choreography they brought in Sergio Trujillo again don't know exactly what he was brought in to do but yeah. he's great like reigning Tony Award winner for choreography but in tonight after the dance at the gym this is what in Romeo and Juliet called the balcony scene where Tony's looking for Maria and he comes to her window and they're talking and they're speaking and they're being she has to go inside because her parents are calling her and he has to leave and they stage it that they're facing each other and all of the jets and the sharks walk on on stage behind them surrounding them and they're not present in the scene but they are 
always a presence in everything that they do. They're the forces pulling them apart. Mm -hmm. And then they literally become the forces pulling them apart. It's amazing. They're reaching towards each other and the jets have Isaac by the arms and legs and he's like fighting to crawl back towards her and his legs like he can't keep his legs under him because he's working so hard and he's got this like we were off to the side so we had a view of his face but not of Shereen Pimentel's face so we saw like the back of her and the sharks pulling her but he just had this like pure look of love on his face Mm -hmm. and it was beautiful and it I can see this moment being I was talking to you about it like if this was done in a high school production I would have been like oh god (laughs) yeah but the acting truly elevated this moment and made it so special Mm -hmm. and made you feel the like love at first sight that they had the intense emotion they had even though they met an hour ago Yeah, and it's it's something that we have been thinking about for months. Yeah, for, I will never forget months. his like little like seven feet long legs, like a little baby yeah. deer under him. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And as soon as that uh, New York Times article came out and we saw the, the picture, picture, we were like, it's "Oh my so god!" Beautiful. I literally messaged you, being like, "Can I like print this and frame it because <laughs> it's so beautiful?" Imagine if that was get the playbill cover. We should print it and bring it to the stage door. We should and get it signed because <laughs> that would be great. Um, now that we've sort of talked about those two standout moments, I think it is important to go back to the beginning of this production and talk about the set aspect in general. As we said earlier, there is really no set in this production, which is very different to, I think, how West Side Stories have been played on stage before. I think the most iconic thing that is missing from this production is a balcony. There yeah. is no upper level at all in this. I kind of felt... There was a way to do a balcony. So the set, when you walk in, it's a giant screen at the back. When you see Tony at Doc's shop, a part of the screen moves away and it's a very intricate detailed set. And you can only see about half of it and the rest of it you see on cameras on the giant screen. It is also way upstage. Yeah, it's all the way at the back. Way upstage. Every seat is obstructed because you cannot see in that shop. No. And then when we're finished with that, it closes and next to it, another part of the screen opens and there's the dress shop that Maria and Anita work at. Mm-hmm. Again, there's it's, it feels like security cameras in there and they're projected huge on the screen. I almost wish that Maria's bedroom was the same, but like another level up. I agree. I think there was I, definitely a level missing. It Like a level up through, like, you know, you climb stairs at the back to get in there and it could be open up and then... Maria could be like shouting down to Tony yeah. and then she could have run around to the front. I don't know, but I thought that would be that would be really cool. Instead, Maria's bedroom is fully on film. A dressing room, it seems, backstage, and then they run her and Anita run downstairs at one point. Which is the stairs by and the stage the, door. It's the stairs by the stage door, because we were at the stage door like, looking inside. Oh I'm like, we just saw that on stage. <laughs> and it seems like a cameraman is following them. And yeah. then they run on stage and the cameraman like stays backstage as they run on so stage. That's very Evo Van Hove. Yeah. <laughs> because um there are things like that that existed in network. Specifically, there is a scene when when I saw it, it was Tony Gold- Goldwyn and Tatiana Maslani. They were outside of the theater walking on the street and whatever was going on behind them what is what we saw and I do like that stuff and I do think that Anita and Maria running down the stairs on camera was super interesting another show where I have seen some camera work like that was 1984 um, 
it was at the Hudson Theater and they sort of built a side stage I want to call it an alcove because that's what it seemed but Olivia Wilde and Tom Sturgis spent a lot of time back there in the corner there was a bedroom back there and there was a camera that was set up but again that was another show that was about sort of Big Brother is watching you cameras felt appropriate cameras are a huge part of it 1984 yes so it's interesting to have that sort of same style of scene play out by the way 1984 was not an Evo Van Hoof production so that was just something that they tried I thought it worked beautifully there I loved what they did with Network and I don't know maybe because I had just seen Network the year before I had less problems with it I don't know I just think that like I've heard a lot about the cameras in this show and about the way that things have are seen and what the audience can see in person versus what the audience is watching on film and like I had said earlier, the biggest critique is that why am I going to a live theater performance to watch something on TV? That's part of basically. my critique, too. You know, there would be things happening center stage, and they'd be projected on the screen, and I'd find myself watching the screen, and I have to stop myself and be like, no, watch there the actors. actors. There here. are people in front of me doing this. Yeah. So I do think that that was something that, from the very beginning, is... It's a personal is- taste thing, honestly. And I don't know that there's a way to find a happy medium for that because you either have it and you have people be upset or you fully take it it out and it's just another production of West Side Story. So I think to push the boundaries and try something different instead of putting out a straight revival is a super interesting choice. Whether it works or it doesn't is another question. I'm so interested to read critics' reviews yeah, about this I show. Yeah, I agree. Because we've, we've been, been living, in a bubble of it. For... Yeah, we've been living with our own thoughts and every time we sort of think of something new that we had seen, we message each other about it or we read the boards and see what other people are saying. But I am super interested to hear what the critics think of this mm-hmm. because I think that that is where it will make or break what this production really is. Um, Something else that is interesting about the set being super far back is that the Broadway theater is massive. It's a cave. And it feels very far away, and it felt very far away for us only 15 rows back, so I imagine the people sitting in the rear mezzanine, how far back that feels. These people probably look like ants, (laughs) and then you just see this, like, set the one screen set piece be so far back that being said moments of that set that I loved was when Tony goes to see Maria in the dress shop and Mm. they start at the front then they move really backstage and it's all on film and then they end up coming out Mm -hmm. they're running around the whole stage yeah it's just so sweet and super cute and I really that's the scene of them like really falling in love yeah and I felt that that worked for camera placement and then I know a scene that you love and I loved it too but the cameras and cool yes that's for me the best use of camera and the best use of that little doc shop set versus what's happening in front so the boys are doing the choreography and singing cool uh, in the main stage mm-hmm. and then the girls are sitting around the shop kind of lounging and one at a time will come and do the choreography directly to one of the I call them security cameras because yeah, they're in the top corner like. it felt like security cameras and in they a were convenience also, store right like, that's true and it's also the coloring of the cameras yes, was very blue that's true which is different kind of, from the steady cams that yeah. were there so I it felt like security footage it felt like we were peering in on something that maybe we shouldn't be seeing or we'd hacked into something I don't know yeah. but 
the girls would do choreography directly to the security camera and then go back and another one would kind of take their place. And it felt like instead of just a cameraman filming what was happening on stage and just doubling it, it was complementing what was happening on stage Mm -hmm. and it added an element to it. And I thought it was great. And the choreography was cool of cool was so great too, which is so interesting because the original choreography of cool is widely considered to be one of the greatest dance oh, numbers yeah. of all time. Yeah. Like you saw the movie for the, for, for the first time last night. Like what did you think of cool? I think it's amazing, but I, it's also, I feel like though, uh, certain parts of that choreography is used in other things that I have seen before, mm-hmm. you know, the running and the jumps. Yes. The influences that West Side Story has had through choreography specifically like Jerome Robbins, you know, one of the main choreographers, co-creators of New York city ballet with George Balanchine. Mm-hmm. The West Side Story like look and feel has influenced choreographers since it's come out yeah. 50 60 years ago mm-hmm. and i just think that aside from the the dancing in that i think we need to talk about the orchestrations because i think cool has some of the greatest orchestrations Da-da-da-da. of all time <laughs> And then you go to the West Side Story Overture and you think about the rumble. It's just, that is, if you want to hear a full orchestra, (laughs) full big bodied orchestra, listen to the West Side Story cast recording. Um, I'm dying to hear this (laughs) This one one again. That first, I'd forgotten how long that first scene is in in the movie. movie. (laughs) I know. (laughs) With no dialogue whatsoever. It seems to be about the passage of time, like how these gangs have been antagonizing each other for months and months or years and years just different incidences but it's not even the overture but the moment after the overture this extended instrumental piece it's so good it's leonard bernstein steven sondheim wrote the lyrics for west yeah. side story and it's just i feel like now a masterclass. it really is it really is there's some really amazing i love brass instruments in an orchestra and you don't hear that so often now not in modern so i do think that to keep as far as we know we don't know the full logistics of how many instruments i I wonder how many instruments are in the orchestra yeah but to keep that old style huge orchestra in a modern version of this musical i think is genius and it worked so well that music has always felt modern Mm -hmm. even then even though it is 1957 60 plus years old it's always felt ahead of its time, ahead of the curve, and it's held up so well. Yeah. In a way that some other older musicals haven't held up as well. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think that we should talk about some specific people and their performances. Okay. Because I think it's important. We cannot talk about this production of West Side Story without talking about the greatest cast member in the show. <laughs> this is our own hyperbole. But it is, but it's also not, because I think the general public that's seen it has also It seems also to be the agreed. consensus leaving this show has been the spectacular performance of Isaac Powell. Mm-hmm. I remember, I'm going to read Wesley Taylor's tweet because I saved it today <laughs> after he saw it. His fiance. His fiance. <laughs> he tweeted, just so you know, Isaac's performance in West Side Story is otherworldly. I'm still in awe after my second time sobbing through that darkly dangerous and chilling production. There's never been a better Tony. Don't at me. His Maria is a masterclass. I agree. <laughs> I also agree. So, Again, as someone that had only heard the song Maria, have mm-hmm. never seen it performed by anybody, this was mm-hmm. my first Full viewing <laughs> of Maria. And I had a smile on my face the entire time. I have a smile on my face right now. 
I have never seen someone commit to a character like that before. And maybe this is due to us already loving Isaac Powell. Mm. Um, he's adorable. He has such an amazing voice. And I feel like we didn't really get to hear that in Once on this Island as much as we get to hear it now. But we joke about Born to play a role <laughs> a lot. But I really do think that this is a match made in heaven for Isaac. He's really giving a sensational performance that everybody should witness. I really yeah, do believe I know, that. I, I agree. I His Maria... Maria's a song about love at first sight. He saw Maria at the dance at the gym. They spoke for a second. Mm-hmm. And then he left. And he has that song to communicate to the audience that giddy experience of falling in love. He's jumping around he's, on it's, stage. It's, he's a, doing this it's dance. Like he says... <laughs> It's like he's trying out. It's like he's heard the word, the name Maria before, but now that it is assigned to this girl that he's in love with, who we met 20 minutes ago, it takes on a whole new meaning. And he's trying out saying it different ways in his mouth, and he screams it and laughs it in so many different ways. He's like rolling around on the he's stage. Like, the final note, he's lying on the ground. I told you there's a lot of lying on the ground in this show. <laughs> yeah. He's like lying on the ground at the floor, singing that final note because he's giddy in that moment. Yeah. It's so good. Maria, 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 Maria. I am trying to think of another show where I've seen someone portray being in love like that and I can't think of it because... It's such an innocent love and we rarely see such an innocent love anymore. It's always... There's conflict in this, but the conflict for this is not between the two of them. It's outside forces. Mm -hmm. And this is just straight, like, love, adoration from that song. Um, Isaac Powell and Shireen Pimentel's chemistry is like no other it's so 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 good it's very special and it's very charming to watch them on stage together like i had mentioned earlier the the dress shop scene is one of my favorite moments also clearly the production's favorite moment because they put it on the front of the playbill um i wonder i'm so interested i think the playbill's gonna change for opening night and i just wonder what it's gonna be it's also interesting because this was one of the first pro shots that we had seen come out of this production of West Side Story. Yeah. And I knew instantly where it was. It was in one hand, one heart is this <laughs> scene. But you know, the classic playbills are normally just like the West Side Story font. Yeah. With the, um, the escape. What yeah, the fire, the fire escape. escapes. And it's typically red, mm-hmm. which is... But they focused on their chemistry of them looking into each other's eyes on this program. It's yeah. It's a good choice. It's a great choice. The chemistry for that scene, as we talked about the chemistry for the pulling them apart, but just their chemistry in general was amazing. And it was also interesting after the rumble when Tony goes over to Maria's house... In the movie, I felt that it was very, like, super inappropriate that he was going there (laughs) to whatever. But in the musical, you're kind of, like, okay with it because you love the two of them together. Except we did laugh when we saw Isaac shirtless in the bed. (laughs) When Anita walks into the bedroom and he's just like, oh. Yeah. But I don't know. I just think that this 24-hour love can probably feel so unrealistic in Mm -hmm. certain settings but in this version 
It didn't feel unrealistic to me at all. It was a super infatuation, obviously. Yeah. But it Who also... knows what would have happened if they knew each other for two days, <laughs> if they would still like each other. Yeah, that's true. But I also think it's prevalent at the end how much she actually cared for him when Tony dies. She's distraught. She's so distraught. And the again, to compare it to the movie... Natalie Wood's performance versus Shereen Pimentel's performance of that final sort of monologue scene where she's holding a gun is very different. Something else that is super exciting about Isaac's performance is his Something's Coming, which (laughs) is online. We do have a version of this song that is sung by Isaac Powell, so we will be inserting it right here. Could it be? Yes, it could. Something's coming, something good. If I can wait, something's coming. I don't know what it is, but it is gonna be great. But his take on that is also very exciting and giddy and just someone that is, I don't know. I just, honestly, I loved everything that he did with that characterization. His physicality on stage, we've talked about how he's very tall and like very lanky. Yeah, and long. And long, yes. The way he moves his body and in that song, the way he moved his like arms just was so great. It was. I don't have anything else to say about it except that I loved it. (laughs) Yeah. My favorite part of West Side Story is always the dance at the gym. I think that song has so, so much energy, the orchestrations and the way that they are fighting and battling, but literally through dance. They're trying to one-up each other in this hall where they're being supervised by adults but showing each other up one at a time and the energy of it is so exciting. And then I love the new choreography for Dance at the Gym, how each gang, the Sharks and the Jets, had their own choreographic style that kind of opposed each other but complemented each other and it looked gorgeous. And there were so many people on stage. Mm-hmm. There's a I, huge... I feel like it's a 42-member cast. I mean, plus 32 swings. people are making their Broadway yeah, debut. so many kids So there's also people stage. that are not making their Broadway there, debut. <laughs> there are, like, teenagers in this cast. Yeah. Like, they really searched for amazing dancers and interesting dancers. People who I think they found a lot of ballet dancers, contemporary dancers. They didn't pick from the... There are some people who are in the expected pool of Broadway dancers, mm-hmm. but a lot of people who this is their first Broadway show because they weren't in the Broadway world, weren't in the musical theater world, were in the dance company and conservatory world. And bringing that experience to it, I think, added another element And then when Tony and Maria see each other for the first time through the ensemble dance at the gym and how everyone else keeps dancing, but the world seems to stop for the two of them. Mm I, watching the movie again, (laughs) I... The visual effects. Like, the visual effects of 1961 were amazing for 1961, but so funny that they just fade out everything around (laughs) them. Everything's, like, slightly blurry. (laughs) It's just blurry, (laughs) but not, like, perfectly blurry. It's so funny. But it... That is how it felt to watch it live on stage, even though things weren't literally blurred. It felt like everything else faded into the background and they saw each other for the first time. And it was cute and fun. And I've talked about the dance that Isaac does and then Shireen Pimentel as Maria is, like, imitating that dance and that they're mirroring each other mm-hmm. is a super gorgeous way to convey love at first sight. Yeah. It's so funny. You know, I've seen West Side Story movie, seen this production of West Side Story, the last production of West Side Story. I see my brother on a production of West Side Story. <laughs> I've seen Romeo and Juliet on stage, multiple movies. And 
that moment where Romeo and Juliet or Tony Maria see each other for the first time, it is magical every time. Mm -hmm. Like that we've been told the same story over and over and over and over again and it holds up and you still feel emotional at the end. Yeah. And that they're able to capture that pacing and that tragic romance in so many different stories is great. And I think this was like a prime example of reinventing it, but not reinventing it. Speaking of the pacing, we do need to mention, because we have not mentioned... Yeah, oh my god. This West Side Story traditionally is around two hours and 30 minutes with an intermission. The version that we have seen and the version that currently is on Broadway is an hour and 45 minutes, no intermission. You're thinking, oh my god, they took an hour out of this show? They must have taken out so much. Watching the movie last night, I was like... What? Everything is here. <laughs> Mostly. Basically, everything, everything is, is there. I would say that first sequence is much shorter. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> we get the point. We get the gist. Yeah. That first sequence is much shorter. They cut I Feel Pretty. Um, they cut the Somewhere Ballet, which is like a 10-minute ballet. But, like, that's not in the movie. It's not in the movie. No, dream ballets don't really work in movies the way they work on stage. They just don't. don't. Yeah. Um, and dream ballets were very much a thing. In the 50s on Obama. Broadway. <laughs> like, truly, very much the the trendy thing to do. Yeah. And it's just, now it, it kind of stops the action a bit mm-hmm. before you get to pick it up. And because of, so cutting, I feel pretty cutting the Somewhere Ballet. And I feel like they probably, like, tightened up some scenes a bit. Other than that, it's the exact same story. Cutting the intermission. So, normally, I feel pretty sits right after the intermission. So... The normal structure of West Side Story is act one is the lead up to the rumble. And at the rumble, Bernardo and Riff are killed. Tony runs away. And then we have a 20-minute intermission. And we come back and Maria, who is clueless to what has happened, sings I Feel Pretty in the Dress Shop, getting ready for Tony to come see her later. Yeah. I feel stunning. I feel stunning. I'm in transit. I'm in transit. Like running. As an audience, you can't come back after an intermission straight into that intense scene, that intense moment. You need that kind of uplifting part. You can't have a full act just be horrible. Yeah. So you need that pick-me-up a little bit. And it's also tragic because you know that when Tony comes to see her, everything's going to be different. Everything's going to be changed and she doesn't know it. But when you have it as one act and you leave it as an uninterrupted narrative with no intermission I feel pretty would feel really weird in that spot oh yeah for sure I feel like I understand the full cutting of I feel pretty I just do feel like it's such an iconic song to not have it in there is so weird my vision for what they should do with with, what they could do with I feel pretty is just when she's waiting for Tony to come have her sing the chorus acapella and just like not the give, full, yeah you know the full thing just have her have this like introspective moment and show her because the thing about I feel pretty is Wait, that, like at which part when she's waiting for him after um the rumble after, oh but that's so because she's saying somewhere want, never mind. I would want her to sing it when she Anita leaves the dress shop she's locking up I would waiting want her for to Tony? sing it there yeah because again not the full song yeah just like acapella I, truly acapella because I feel like you don't get a moment alone with Maria to show that she's as in love in with Tony yeah. as Tony is with her I totally agree and you get to see so much of Tony's thoughts but you don't get to see any of Maria's thoughts alone and I just feel like that would be a moment to show that this boy is making her feel special mm-hmm. in a way that she's not being made to feel right now. Yeah. And like what he's giving her. And I just think that's what's missing 
and what I Feel Pretty could do. Yeah. But Stephen Sondheim, who wrote the lyrics for I Feel Pretty, has notoriously hates those lyrics. So he's like, <laughs> fine, cut it, get rid of it, I hate it. Yeah, but it is, it does take out, I would say, like, probably five minutes. It would. It's a long it would song. Be. So... I don't know. I think the pacing in this show is really awesome. The pacing is great. Um, it just, it's relentless. It keeps going and going and going. And it keeps the intensity high because mm-hmm. you, even me going into it, not knowing what was going to happen. I mean, not knowing even that Tony was going <laughs> to die. That's how much I did not know about this prof- of uh, West Side Story. But watching it blind to plot at all and seeing the pacing without the interruption of an intermission, especially after a rumble like that one, mm-hmm. it just kept me at the edge of my seat the entire show so that when he did die and when he does get shot at the end it was so dramatic to me (laughs) also the blood flying the blood (laughs) is it's dramatic and it's Mm. intense and it's something that you I don't know it's I just think the pacing is done super well in this which is I do think that cutting an intermission is the correct choice I'm always in this version I know you know for some shows earn their length and I do think the original West Side Story does earn its length but I love something that's edited properly Mm -hmm. and that's economical with what it's telling you and allowing you to just follow the story you don't have to spell everything out for us you don't have to extend every moment you can make it a tight story Mm -hmm. and tell it well and I think for me that usually has more emotional impact that's something that's making me sit in my butt for three plus hours so I love that short intermission. I do just think what we're missing is a moment alone with Maria where she's expressing her emotions. Yeah. I also think that, and I did touch on this a bit earlier with Anita, but I also think that we're missing that, like, Anita Mm -hmm. big moment. I know that she sings... In the quintet, like the Tonight Quintet. Yes. A Boy Like That? Yes. Yeah. And... I just feel like in the movie, Anita and Maria's relationship is different to More what established, we saw. I feel. And I also think that the biggest difference between the movie and the musical is Anita and Bernardo's relationship. Mm. I don't feel sad when Bernardo dies, and I don't feel sad for Anita that Bernardo is dead because I didn't think that their relationship... It's not as established. Like, we don't spend, no. enough, we don't spend as much time with them. I, and I also think that that's easy to say because you're contrasting a relationship of Maria and Tony that is so beautiful like, to watch. It's in the honeymoon phase. Exactly. They just met their... So, I don't know how long Bernardo and Nina mm. are supposed to be together, but I didn't feel bad, whereas in the movie, I did. Right. So, I don't know if that was just I, the way that these people are playing the roles. It's very possible. Um, I have said in multiple episodes and we'll say it now I don't think that Amar's Bernardo controversy aside is anything to write home about I think he's fine I agree that acting wise and singing wise he is pretty mediocre yeah I have said before I think he is an amazing dancer yeah principal at New York City Ballet he on stage dancing has a very regal almost leading man presence but his acting really does not help there and Bernardo is a character with a lot of swagger a lot of attitude he is the leader of the sharks and I did not get that from him yeah can we also talk about the accents that the sharks are doing yeah I my hot take is that I don't think they should do the accents I agree because some of them were doing them and some of them weren't and then some of them started with it and then they didn't finish with one they were not great accents and 
also they've modernized everything. And I know there are even lines in there that they are judged and ridiculed for their accents. And so I get why they kept them in. But by modernizing it, it just doesn't seem... I just don't feel like they're necessary to Mm -hmm. have them do these accents. I agree. Um, By modernizing it, this is a fully diverse cast. We have not mentioned that yet. I... That's one of my favorite things. The... You know, we were watching the movie and the Puerto Ricans, the sharks, you know, Natalie Wood is not Puerto Rican. George Shakiris, who played Bernardo, um, I believe is Greek. And they spray tanned and bronzered all of them up. Yeah. And it's as amazing as that movie is. It is inappropriate and something we should not be doing. Also, to contrast that, the Jets, who are supposed to be Polish, this is why we have this crazy blonde guys there they're like trying to make them blonde hair blue eyes and like yeah they dyed that, their hair so that badly. blonde is not a good blonde exactly. that is full yellow <laughs> but they truly used their imagination to imagine what puerto ricans look like today so not everyone is the expected um dark hair dark hair skin. dark skin some of them are lighter skin some of them are afro-latin Afro-Latina or Afro-Latina. Amar Ramazar, his father is Trinidadian and Indian, and his mother is Puerto Rican. So he is exactly someone whose parents came, or whose one of his parents came from Puerto Rico, and that is what a modern Puerto Rican would look like. It's not just so homogenous the way it was portrayed in the past. And the Jets as well, they're not all white. Some of them are black. Some of them are white. Some of them are different things, but every single person who plays a shark has Latinx heritage, which I think is great Mm -hmm. in the same way that you should not do the King and I with white people. You should not do West Side Story without a Latinx cast as the sharks. It's also very true to the storyline that they're portraying that these people are coming over. So all of these... Coming from Puerto Rico. Yeah, all of these cast members. I mean, we don't know, I'm sure, some of their families uh, grew up in America, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure that someone's grandparents moved from Puerto Rico to America, so it does feel very true to the actual text of the Mm storyline and also to today. And it's very interesting, too, because of everything that's (laughs) going on in the States right now of... You know, just like different cultures and things being very messy right now in the States and in Canada. Let's not, let's be honest, it's very messy in Canada too. So it just feels very realistic to today and just shows you how this concept that was created in the 50s transcends and evolves. And it's, it, it's today. You'd like, like to think that is an old problem, but it is a, it's a, very it is a real problem, problem that still yeah. exists. So I think that that's super interesting and also a big part of probably why they did such a intense I, process of casting. I think the diversity in casting while still maintaining the accurate True race lines yeah. is really great and they really use imagination. Let's talk about Isaac Powell who is biracial. Yep. I believe his mom is white and his dad is black playing Tony. Mm-hmm. Uh, that full principal cast right now, every single one of them is a person of color. It's, I don't know what any, are there any other principal casts on Broadway where every, every single person is a person of color? I don't think principal, I know that these comments are made when understudies step in for sure. You always see, I always think back to Be More Chill doing it when Be More Mm -hmm. Chill was on Broadway. It was so exciting that one day when there was four Asian actors on stage leading the show. That's never happened. So specifically when some of the roles were written for white people. Yeah. You know, when a show like Ain't Too Proud, the full principal cast is black men. 
it was written for that in a show where it wasn't necessarily written for people of color to play the roles of Tony and Riff Mm -hmm. to have people of color in those roles is very exciting and I also think that it's important that they are sticking to as you said keeping the culture Mm -hmm. having that in your background I remember reading kind of recently especially when all of the casting was up in the air with Ben Cook leaving and everything they needed to reshoot some of the video scenes that happened Mm -hmm. in the background because Ben Cook was a huge part of them and the casting notice that went out was asking for Puerto Rican actors so even with those background scenes that are not the actors on stage for sure let's talk about some of those productions actually while we're here yeah so as we have talked about camera angles there are also tons of projections that go on pre-recorded videos yes so the one that starts it off is basically a moving scene of the street which as someone that is prone (laughs) to motion sickness and this was also a problem with king kong in the same theater i think that if it they just have a really good projector in that theater (laughs) i think that if it moved more than it did very slow it would be a problem and it would feel very like you're on a ride which is what happened with King Kong. It was mm-hmm. a boat scene and the waves were just moving oh too God. fast. So people actually said in like the fourth row that they felt sick. Right. I think that it was also on for the correct amount of time. I think the difference between how I've seen screens used in the past and how screens were used in this production mm-hmm. is a lot of times I find screens to be very static. Just yeah. one picture in the background where, oh, we're and they're in a forest, we project a picture of trees behind them and it's kind of like that's just an excuse not to build a set and save money but also the flip side of that i just think like mean girls in my mind right now where mm-hmm. they used it very like juvenilely mm-hmm. and they had for example in halloween like pumpkins and just like bright colors and when regina gets hit by the bus it was like an animated bus so that stuff to me is mm-hmm. also what i don't care for the use of screens never felt static and frozen it always felt like it had movement and it was trying to contribute to telling the story in a way that I don't think screens always do. But yeah, you speaking on, there was no static really shots. It was always in motion. Which is... It felt kinetic. Yeah. Those projections I don't love as much because I don't need to see a street moving with these guys just standing on stage. I don't know that it's 100% necessary for me. I just don't know. You have to put something on that screen. Unless they blur it. Yeah, which they did another time. Yeah. Just, I guess it set I'm the tone to, of them in the middle of the night. I'm outside. trying to think of a moment when there was just like darkness on the screen, and I don't think there don't ever think there was. was. Even at the beginning, there was like a projection of like a back of a stage, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. It, they tried to That's true. trick us into not thinking there was a giant screen there. Yeah. Another projection that came up right at the beginning was the time. Yeah. And the day. I think it's a day. I think it's a day one. Day one. And then those come up a little bit throughout. They do say times. They say midnight mm-hmm. at one Which, point. It's it kind the, of helpful. It gives you the pacing, especially when you realize this takes place over one day. Yeah. So to tell you day one, midnight. Yeah. You know where you are. And it's like that night that it finishes at the end of the story happens. And then also right off the bat there, the projection of the outside of Doc's shop, it establishes what the shop right. looks like. Um, and I guess the dress shop too, but I really felt it with Doc's shop and the neon sign. Yep. Um, and also having it, it's Doc and Tony having a conversation outside on mm-hmm. like a stool. So you see that. But the projections that we hated. A lot of the projections felt like weird music video montages to me. Some so, of them, I, I love so, them. So like when you're a jet or the jet song right at the beginning, the jets are singing it. And then in the background, 
who knows what it looks like now because again we saw an early preview and they might have reshot things especially because Ben Cook's no longer in it and he was pretty prominent Mm -hmm. but it felt like these weird like (laughs) bro-y I loved it interactions like through the street they're like hugging each other and like slapping each other on the back like loving each other in slow motion in the background yeah and I was just like what's happening I know and that's so weird because that's normally something that I would hate but for some reason it worked for me the one that really did not work for me was in America I think America because it was jarring cuts from scene to scene like picture to picture to picture of New York City and Puerto Rico comparison. Which is sort of how the West Side Story movie starts out. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's to honor that. I really don't know. It's just like, it's static establishing shots and it really makes no sense. Yeah, they were they were very quick cuts like and to the going, music. Yeah, exactly. To the beat of the song. And mm-hmm. then I know one that, again, sort of in the mix of the whole boys music video-esque aspect, but it's one that people have been talking about a lot is... Uh, Officer Krumke what's yes. happening behind let's talk about the song Officer Krumke actually I think it can be th- cut you think it can be cut so the okay. production that's on right now is how the original West Side Story kept the order of Cool yes. and so, Officer Krumke on Broadway in 1957 Cool was before the rumble Krumke was after the rumble in the movie they flipped those positions because Krumke is viewed to be kind of a comedic song I'll talk about it if I feel it's comedic later but mm-hmm. <laughs> they put it in the earlier before the rumble before the pace really picks up and it really gets going and cool after when the jets are trying to keep their cool and not let anyone find them or discover them and then back in this production they put it back to the original spot even though we'd heard that they were switching those positions there was i think it was a vogue article the author tweeted out something that said that they were planning on switching them but Mm -hmm. then when we saw it i was surprised when cool started before the rumble because i again i expected them to be switched so Officer Krupke is a song about the Jets are kind of comedically, jokingly singing to Officer Krupke, who is a police officer who's been kind of badgering them throughout the show about how he's not helping them. And they're always being directed to different authority figures who cannot help them and how the system is continually failing them. And they do it in this amusing way, kind of over the top acting way. When you, like, look at the lyrics and, like, think about the lyrics, it's very... It it makes me sad. It makes me think of, I don't know, teenagers, young people who have been failed by the system, who have been failed by police. And it made me... And especially watching the projections during this production of West Side Story, which showed a lot of police brutality, it seemed... It does feel very heavy-handed, I felt. Yeah. But I think they were just trying to underline the point of what the song was actually trying to say instead of making it a purely comedic number. They tried to darken it up to be after the rumble. I didn't think that what we saw on stage was a comedic song. No. These it's these boys are standing in a line, a mm-hmm. straight line on stage. Also, unfortunately, when we saw it, there was a huge miking issue. Yes. We which, were like, is it the water? That's yeah. true. I forgot about that. Oh so that was kind of distracting for sure. But that scene to me was pretty serious Mm -hmm. and almost as if they were singing it directly to the audience yes they were walking right towards the audience and also just to to contrast the movie again it's you you have these 
guys that are singing and sort of like rolling around on the floor and laughing mm-hmm. and whatever. It's funny in that. These it's guys are fully funny. like beat up. They have blood on their faces. It's and the reality of the situation they're trying to show. Drenched. Drenched because <laughs> it's raining. So, and the rain was still going sort mm-hmm. of at that point. They stopped it a little bit, but I don't like the song as a mm-hmm. song in general. So maybe that's why I didn't feel any sort of like connection to it. I understand why the song is there. Mm-hmm. I just don't know especially when they were cutting other things why wasn't that a question of being cut because the boys sang it <laughs> like probably um seeing it in this production made me think of it in this way that it was about the system's failings for these boys in a way that i never thought about it before i'd always thought about it as a funny song and seeing it this way made me take stock and look back and also seeing it with context of the world with people filming police officers and like the body cams and the body cameras and them you know shooting black kids in the street yeah that's what I was thinking about that whole number in a way that I'd never maybe because actors of color were singing this song in a way they haven't before Mm -hmm. maybe that and the videos were police with actors of color it 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 reframed the song for me in my mind I think the song was always this but when it's played in one way versus played in a different way. Yeah. It's just, it became more obvious to me in this one. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I just think it didn't hit for me the same way because mm-hmm. also we don't have that sort of any moment with the actual Officer Krumke. He's really not in this production that we saw. The adults are very much at an afterthought. All. So to have them sing a song, and maybe this is my no pre-existing knowledge to West Side Story Mm -hmm. and not realizing anything until after the fact, but to not see this guy and not see this police officer portray the way that they were singing about him was almost confusing to me. But again, I might be in the minority because I knew nothing about Mm. anything. So I also think that the style of the music is very different to how the rest of West Side Story flows. It just Mm. feels It's much more staccato than the rest of the music. Yeah. My other hated projection. (laughs) Yeah. Right before the rumble. Who knows if this is even still in it, but I really felt so strongly about it. They have like Bernardo and Riff like getting out of bed. Oh, and, like, yeah. Getting ready. Wasn't that the dumbest thing you've ever seen? I forgot seen? about that. I'll never forget it. It was dumb. Yeah. Um, there was, like, a split screen. They're, like, getting out of bed, like, brushing their teeth, like, eating breakfast, like, walking through the street, going to this rumble. I'm like, what's happening here? How did you feel about the Isaac running? I loved that. Yeah, I love that because, too. Because, again, that was something that was complementing what was happening on stage. It also changed the pacing again of the show because yes. he was running in slow-mo. He was run- running in slow-mo. How long did they film him running for? I truly wonder. Well, also, we were confused because, right, because he was limping. Fully, but he wasn't limping in the video. No, yeah. So we're like, uh. That's when we were like, did he actually hurt himself for real? So that's a boy like that. So the cameras have followed Maria and Anita out of the bedroom and then onto stage. Mm-hmm. And then once they get on stage, the projection changes from them to uh tony running through the street trying to run to maria or away or to doc's shop i don't know where he's running but he's just trying to escape and you see them finish out a boy like that and i have a love on stage in front of that so it it kept the story moving that's Mm -hmm. another thing that's probably also how they cut things is that they had two scenes happening at once you yeah. need to see Tony doing That's something true. over here and then this doing something over there after each other you can see them both happening at the same time Yeah, and it, that helped the pacing too because you know multiple things are happening at the same time these people are over here running here Tony's over here Maria and Anita are doing this the cops showing up to do this all happening at the same time mm-hmm. another scene that I want to touch on briefly because I think it's important and I think it's portrayed differently in the movie 
than it is on stage. But when Anita goes to Doc Shop. Yes. Um, the taunting scene. Yes. So as we had said about things feeling very real, this is a scene that also looked very real. It was horrifying. It was. And I wasn't expecting it. But I also think it's important that it is on stage because, mm-hmm. let's be honest, this stuff happens. So we are talking about the scene where Anita... Has been has sent just with a been, message. Yeah, from Maria to go tell Doc to get Tony. So the message is that Maria's been held up and she can't... By she's the not going to be there. She's not going to be At there the right time. away. So she gets there. Doc is not there. Tony's also not there. All the jets are there. Yeah. And this scene was fully played out inside of the set. So we did not see it happen. All in video, we saw it. Yeah. It was, it was happening. And I also feel like that's the correct way to do it. Because you could get angles that you wouldn't be able to see if it was happening in front of us. It felt a bit more intense because it was in such a compacted space. Yes. Instead of being out on this giant stage. And Mm -hmm. it also felt maybe like we were flies on the wall in this scene. That also felt like a surveillance camera moment. Which I think is okay to do when you're in the setting of a shop. Yeah, it felt accurate to what video might be in a convenience store or a dress shop so the difference in scenes in the movie versus the musical is in the movie anita is being taunted by all of the jets and she's being thrown from guy to guy and they're just making sort of racist like noises towards her yes they do not want her they're not allowing her to give her message to doc and they are holding her down trying to rip her clothes off and eventually end up holding her down to the ground and lifting baby John who was a jet who they've made fun of for being very innocent on top of her and like pulling his pants off on stage it felt like we were witnessing a full on rape scene Mm -hmm. and it honestly was horrifying to watch that and you could see that it's this it was very visceral like a visceral experience yeah and again I do think that that is the correct way to show it with the way that they had the cameras and also the Steadicam guys were in that shop Mm -hmm. at that point so they were trying to get all angles I'm also confident that things have been worked out more since we saw again a very early preview and there were times when you know the screen would mess up a bit and you would see the camera guy instead of seeing what was happening but it's a super intense moment and when she ends up getting up and running out when she says that maria is dead it felt very intense in that moment understand why she did that oh yeah she's been traumatized yeah So it was, that was for sure an interesting scene to watch. And it's something that I was not expecting at all to come Mm -hmm. out of that storyline. After Anita leaves Doc's shop, that's when we see Tony again. He's been kind of missing in action for so long. And we saw little Isaac Powell limp through Doc's shop. (laughs) (laughs) And he's just like supporting himself. I'm like, wow, this is commitment to acting. (laughs) Turns out he was injured. (laughs) Turns out it was not acting. Um, And he comes out. And he's talking about all these dreams he and Maria have and how he's going to name all his name, all their kids after Doc to thank him. And when Doc tells him that Maria's dead, because that's what Anita has told him, that is the Romeo and Juliet miscommunication of the century. <laughs> yeah, <it is. laughs> and he comes out into the center stage screaming for Chino, Chino, who is running through the streets with a gun looking for Tony to kill him in vengeance for killing Bernardo. Also, Chino has a face tattoo, so he's definitely yeah, killed someone before. Chino's intense. <laughs> Chino is dark. Yeah, like, he is. Like, that face tattoo, I'm like, you real. Oh my god, some of the tattoos, there's a couple tattoos that I want to talk about. The 
Jets for Life tattoos. So all the, like, not all the Jets, a bunch of the Jets have these tattoos that say Jets for Life on Steph them. Steph is neck. obsessed and They're wants one. so funny. <laughs> They're so funny to me. And I was looking at those pictures. There's that picture of Isaac Powell and Ben Cook being lifted down oh, I on love people. It. I love and it. I was like zooming in on the tattoo on Ben Cook's arm, and it says, These violent delights have violent ends. I was like, Ah! He's also That's got so good. wings on Yeah, his the wings back. are good, but I love that Romeo and Juliet quote on his yeah, arm. Great. It is like a subtle reference to Romeo and Juliet, yeah. and I thought it was great. And then the sharks all have Tiburon, I'm not pronouncing it right, which means shark in Spanish. And I love that accurate, kind of cool tattoo. I think the tattoos like really add something. Yeah, it modernizes the show. <laughs> it does. Like, people it, in games have like, tattoos. It, it is a shorthand for making you as an audience understand them in gangs and like the jets for life tattoo this these matching tattoos that they all have that is like a brotherhood that they have yeah okay so back to chino's face tattoo chino's running through the street looking for tony to kill him tony is yelling for chino to come find him until maria comes through the aisle in the audience and tony sees her and she sees him and she's running towards him but chino shoots him in the back before they can see each other Maria can stop it from happening and Tony ends up dying in Maria's arms and that was I knew it was coming you didn't no like shocking is that gunshot I hate a gunshot because there was no other gunshots in that show no we had a back-to-back day so many gunshots. gunshots and I have always been I I don't know if I've ever said this on an episode, but I've definitely told you about it. But I saw Les Mis for the first time when I was 10 and those barricade gunshots like <laughs> yeah, traumatized so me so Every time I hear a gunshot in that theater, it, like, brings me back to that moment. <laughs> and I think that... Do you remember, this is not the same, but the beginning of the Bodyguard musical? It yes. It starts with a gunshot. Oh, oh my God. It was so, and they don't turn no, the house lights off. That one was horrifying. so loud. Horrifying. So loud. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Gun, guns in musicals is always, they should will be always used, be a love-hating like, for me. They should be used very specifically. I think this is correct, the way that mm-hmm. they did it. I think the way that they do it in Oklahoma is also correct. Obviously, mm-hmm. Les Mis... Yeah. It's a barricade. Like, like did we need to start the bodyguard like that? I don't no. think we did. No. So <laughs> I, I think that in that moment when you are legitimately trying to shock your audience, mm-hmm. it was shocking. Mm-hmm. And I was focused on Maria walking down the yeah, aisle. I love when people walk through the aisle. I am always like nudging people like, look, she's in the aisle. Yeah. <laughs> and she had the spotlight so you could fully see everything yeah, that was happening. Like, well, as soon as you walked in, like the light was on her. So you knew to watch them watch each other. But I do remember, I don't remember what exact part, but I do remember like tapping you on the show and be like, is Tony going to die? <laughs> and you were like, just watch. But I think because I was so focused on them meeting up again for the, for that time, that I didn't even think about the fact that Tony could die. Mm-hmm. So, and I also didn't see that it was Chino that shot him. I just saw Isaac, who did some great dying acting, <laughs> let's be honest, dead, with dead. that injury. He sort of like swings his whole body because mm-hmm. he's shot in the back. And it's almost funny in the movie, but that's also, I think, because of the time period. Yes. The, the way that it's shot is almost comical. And it's also we were funny. talking about there was no blood yeah, on the but ground. Yeah, then I was talking to my brother about it, and mm-hmm. he was saying that the blood would have changed the rating of the movie. Yeah, that like there so are they reasons. probably did it for there that are, reason. There are lyric changes and line changes in the movie. You know, uh, something like Rip and Tony saying to each other, they say birth to earth, sperm to worm, and they weren't allowed to say sperm to worm mm-hmm. in the movie because it, it would change the rating. Yeah, so, so that, that was very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if we're going to put a rating on this West Side Story, I think it's... 
a PG thirteen. Yeah, I don't think they swear in this. No, but it is. It an, is it harsh. Is intense, it's dark, and I would not be taking kids to see this production to be honest, because I mm-hmm. think it is a little too dark. Just as I felt with Oklahoma, there were kids no, there. No, I would not take a child to Oklahoma. But it's just. It's interesting. And just to further that point, speaking of something that's definitely not for kids, Maria's monologue. She takes Chino's gun and she's pointing it and you're scared for what she's going to do. And on stage, she gets to point it straight at the audience. Yeah. Because it wasn't just Chino who killed Tony. It was all of them. It was jets and was sharks alike. And she turned on us and she's like, and you, Mm -hmm. because we were bystanders too. And like turned us into not just outside of the story but within the story mm-hmm. and allowing this to happen and I, I do think that we were lucky in the sense that we got to see back to back these two reinventions of classics mm-hmm. and like we said in the Oklahoma episode if you're going to reinvent something you need to do what both of these shows did and go like way off the scale because yes. I think it's important to not just we could have revivals that's fine but mm-hmm. if you are going to take that material don't and make it something anything. new exactly and I don't feel that either of these productions did that mm-hmm. they they're taking, really did they're taking leaps and you can feel that leap is successful or unsuccessful you can debate the merits of cutting songs of changing structure of changing costumes of changing anything but to but take that leap yeah that's it's boldness and for sure again critique it but encourage the idea behind mm-hmm. it and i do think before we wrap this up that we need to give credit where credit is due and evil van hove who directed this production is He's doing some pretty spectacular things on stage and some things that we've never seen before. And I do think that, again, critique it if you will, but to also appreciate that this is his style and this is something that he does with a lot of his productions. So to think that he wasn't going to do this is naive. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's important to walk into this production with an open mind and not Mm -hmm. have that The picture of the movie or the original production in your mind. You kind of have to, like sweep it to the side and view it as a new work even though it's not even though these are songs that you know and a story that you know Mm -hmm. looking at it with fresh eyes will help my immediate thought walking out of this musical was that I am so not excited for this movie anymore I was never really excited for the movie (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of I I don't I think the cast is good but looking at production photos of it and reading articles about it it's just it seems to be almost a direct remake of the previous movie. Now, I do think they... I think Rita Moreno requested rewrites of the script, and Tony Kushner did a full rewrite of the script. So maybe they will make it more modern in that way. But it just... I, I, do, I, I, I worry it will feel stale. I agree, and I also agree with you based off production photos. Just looking at costumes in general, mm. those are pretty old Hollywood style costumes. Yeah, we're, not, I, we're not looking at our Zara uniforms <laughs> that yeah, these, it just, people are wearing. This was so thrilling and like will the movie be a step backwards? I think Because if I wanted to watch a movie in that style I would just watch the 1961 movie. That's true but I also think that people that aren't like us and aren't seeking or craving a new version of something and even have seen this show mm-hmm. they probably have been waiting for a A revival remake of a movie because the original is 1961. We're now in 2020. Like, that's a long time for a West Side Story to not be recreated in any sort of fashion. Um, This goes way back to our second episode that we ever recorded. But I'm not excited for an Ansel Elgort (laughs) Tony because I just... 
I think that unfortunately, but also fortunately, watching Isaac's performance, that is now the Tony that is in my mind and the Tony mm-hmm. that I want to see. And I don't think that Ansel Elgort will be able to recreate that. He's very much in the same mold as the Tony from the original movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he, they were very imaginative or creative in creating in casting him. I, I don't think he'll do a bad job, but I just don't... I just am not excited for this interpretation though maybe I'll be proven wrong yeah I wonder I mean Steven Spielberg is behind this and Mm -hmm. as we know he's a creative genius and it's funny because I was watching the there is a behind the scenes featurette on this West Side Story like (laughs) DVD I think it came out for like an anniversary um and they were even talking about how Steven Spielberg wanted the property (laughs) the rights to this way back then so Mm -hmm. Steven Spielberg obviously is a huge fan of West Side Story and who's not (laughs) well yeah and I do think that we we should trust his creativity because he hasn't done things that people have hated before. But I do agree with you. Seeing what can be done now, it makes me wonder why they are doing this in the mm-hmm. first place. And To have the contrast of those two coming out, both 2020, one early, one late, mm-hmm. is very interesting. It's yeah. a moment in time for West Side yeah. Story. And I think it is now time <laughs> for our Obsessions of the Week. My obsession this week. So... If you know me, I love figure skating. Yep. And this year, the requirements for the rhythm dance and ice dance is that the music had to be from a musical or operetta. So everybody is dancing to a song from a musical. <laughs> That's amazing. Who did this? This like, Venn diagram of my interest <laughs> yeah. is like, truly like, right at the yeah. center. <laughs> so there are some great skates this year, these great rhythm dances. So let's talk about the top Canadian teams first. Uh, Gillis and Poirier, who are Canadian national champions this year, danced to or skated to Mac and Mabel, which is super culty. Yeah. Um, like short running musical. I wonder who I chose wonder who that. Ch- some some of these things. I'm like, who chose these things? A lot of these teams are coached by the same people. So, but they're the choices in songs are so so different. So I really. I really want to know who chose all of these songs. I think what your fave is going to be is Fournier, Boudry, and Sorensen, who are what we call the Canadanes because they used to skate for Denmark and now they skate for Canada. They're dancing to, they're skating to Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> Amazing. What song? Um, the World Will Remember Us and nice. Bonnie. That's and I think some, something else in there. Susis and Furis, also Canadian, are skating to Jersey Boys, which is Classic. great. Some <laughs> other countries, Chalk and Bates, from the U.S. are skating to Kiss Me Kate. Hubble and Donahue are skating to Smash. Amazing. Truly, I That's thought the there's. I just thought there's would be my favorite, but then I watched it and it wasn't my favorite. They need a better. <laughs> they need a better vehicle. Honestly. But the song choice is correct. Yeah, it's Let's Be Bad. Yeah. Um, Papadakis and Cizeron, the French, who are a little. Uh, um, they're dancing. To, they're skating to Fame. So. Fame. Yes, it's great. Um, some of the Russian teams, there's one doing Singing in the Rain, there's one doing Moulin Rouge. Very fun. But my favorite one that I have seen this year is they're a new Canadian team. They are 2019 World Junior Champions. And the last Canadian team to be World Junior Champions was Tess and Scott. So we're ready. And this is their <laughs> first year as seniors. And they are skating to a West Side Story. <laughs> so exciting. And they put him in a little like Bernardo red shirt. And they skate to the prologue and... Dance at the Gym and America and it just builds and builds and builds and it proves that that music is so exciting yeah it's so fast they're speeding across the ice the whole time and the commentator she said something that really rung true when I was watching it because she said they're on the edge like any moment they could fall over but they're like so controlled in that like perfect spot right before it gets 
too much. And there's a moment at the end where Zach, so it's Lajoie and Laga, and Zach Laga at the end during America, he just like claps three times and he's like so excited about clapping. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I love you so much. <laughs> and it's so cute. And that's the number one one I would recommend to watch because it's so much fun. The music is great. And they're, I think, a team to keep watching. And I'm a, I love that this season they did musicals. Yeah, that's for the awesome. Theme. That's very exciting. <laughs> it's very fun. I mean, we all know about the iconic Tessa and Scott. Yeah, Moulin the Moulin Rouge, Rouge program. <laughs> maybe maybe that inspired It might this. have inspired this. They're like, we're going to do a fin step and we're going to do musicals. Yeah. My obsession this week, when we were talking about West Side Story and all of the controversy, there was a bunch of tweets that came up that said that this is the new Spider-Man. <laughs> so obviously my mind took that and was like, I'm just going to listen to Spider-Man again. <laughs> My obsession this week is a song from Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark. As we know, I love the show. I've seen it twice. The reason that it was compared in controversy to West Side Story is because of the injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, they are not the same at all. There no. was way more injuries <laughs> on Spider-Man. And also, they lost so much money. West Side Story seems to be breaking records yeah. every week we didn't at talk the Broadway about that, Theater. Yes. So that show, although there are a couple people that have been injured... It is nowhere near as crazy as Spider-Man. That being said, my favorite song from Spider-Man is No More. And say what you will about the production and everything. I love a spectacle. Mm -hmm. That's fully spectacle theater. But also, it introduced me to Jen Damiano (laughs) and Reeve Carney. And this is a song that they sing together. It is so beautiful. favorite things about this song is the way that it's staged. There's a treadmill in the stage and they are in front of both of their houses and they're singing about each other but they're not together and they're just like walking on this treadmill and just like singing. I love it. I think it's such a great song. Anyone that hasn't listened to Spider-Man and wants to listen to Spider-Man all of the music is written by you 2 So if you are a fan of Bono and the Edge you should put all of the things that you've read about Spider-Man out of your mind and listen to this cast album because I do think that there's some really great songs on it and No More is just one of them. It's got U2 vibes. It definitely does. There's actually a part in the show when they go to a club and they dance to Hello. 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 I don't even <laughs> know so if that's funny. what that song is called but like that's what it is. Vertigo. Yeah. So Vertigo. That's what it's called. Um, that's funny for Spider-Man. Actually. Yes. <laughs> You're like oh should have seen it. Um, but yeah so that is my obsession this week. So to wrap up this super long <laughs> episode. We had thoughts okay. We are going to promo what is coming next which is Hamel March. <laughs> So this I episode, this. yes, um, <laughs> as we said, this episode, we are date stamping it because of the controversy, as we said. So today's February 9th, but this episode is coming out on February 23rd. And our next two episodes are coming out in the next weeks of March. And we are doing a Hamilton extravaganza because (laughs) Hamilton is now in Toronto. Finally. (laughs) It has been a few years. We've been waiting for it. It seems like the whole city has been waiting for it. People are going to come here to see it. So we are going to split up all of our thoughts on Hamilton and do two episodes on it. So if you want to listen to those episodes as well as all of our other episodes, you can subscribe to our podcast anywhere podcasts can be found. That is iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. 
And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at off 2 Way Podcast. That's with the number two. And let us know your thoughts. Did you get to see this production of West Side Story or, or other ones? Are you going to see it? Let us know. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.